So thank you so much for taking the time to attend today and welcome to Difference-Centric Yet Difference-Transcended, the Reliance on Difference in the Ethics of AI. And so to start right off, ethics and the registers of difference. As we know, the proliferation of AI in daily life is here to stay. So today's talk will center on the limits of ethics discourse and framework to actualize harm. So what is ethics? Simply put, it's a reasonable obligation and or standards of behavior, a binary of wrong and right. Foundationally, ethics is conceived and operationalized upon the imagined techno-liberal terrain. This terrain is smooth, even, wherein politics of difference are suspended and technologies are assumed to be apolitical in conception, design, production, and application. Such imaginaries stand on the shoulders of aspirational ideas of universal protections when questions about the differential outcomes of AI and its its expressions arise. However, in praxis, universal rights-based schemas, which are closely wed to ethical frameworks, cannot be actualized without recognizing this reliance on difference to make such innovations possible. Ethics or ethical operations then remain non-binding and hence, uh, in sense, unenforced, as they're not conceived to be operationalized outside a global North liberal terrain. So here, difference is pronounced and expressed across several registers in the ethics discourse. First, it finds expression in privileging certain thinkers, wherein ethics as a discourse and as a professionalization, both are products of Western liberal thinkers and legal structures. Second, the discourse and frameworks are conceived and conceptualized within a liberal subject, uh, with a liberal subject in view, which are often highly individualized and not collective presenting an additional layer of challenges. And third, it's reliance on a liberal structure, which is not conceived for the protections of those deemed outside as non-subjects. So for example, migrants, immigrants, and even marginalized communities who are otherwise depicted as legally enfranchised uh, through say constructs of differential citizenship remain un or underprotected. The application of very many protections while imagined as global, especially via ethics and human rights discourse, is in fact then highly localized, context-specific, contested, and differential. And this is a challenge for both ethics and is exacerbated by current ethics framework. The best example of this is the differential role citizenship plays in relation to the safeguarding of rights and interests. These protections are deployed in a way that is highly differential. For instance, the reliance on ghost workers, as conceptualized by Gray and Suri, in the big tech and AI fields. Here lies the foundational challenge where the reliance on difference when ethics or ethical procedures are guided by or co-informed by limits of liberal legal structures. These challenges are opposed to the actualization of equity when ethics and ethical discourse is then deployed. Moreover, there is no global standard of ethics. There is at this time no one ethical framework being used to identify whether any particular technology is harmful or not. Rather, at best, we often see this non-deployment moratoria that's issued an end to sales of bias-inducing or bias-entrenching technologies, such as facial recognition softwares most recently. However, it's important to note that regularly these technologies pass the highly specific and individualized ethics posts, be it in public spheres or, or private spheres, um, and if, if these ethical posts exist at all, and move to production and market, where then marginalized communities then serve as the testing grounds for its laws. Looking at the current critical approaches taken within the AI ethics discourses, the rights-based ethics model is either taken for granted, which, is, which essentially means that it's an assumption that rights are inalienable, universal, and that legal systems are 
globally in conversation with, with each other. Moreover, it assumes that rights are afforded to all persons and ethical obligations are somehow binding in a globalized market setting, which as we know is simply untrue. The second register of difference would be the, the episteme of ethics in AI. So like the imperial epistemology of AI related discourse and disciplines such as computer science and even STS, I find that a lot of the ethics theory is still located in the global north, while the subject of study remains in the global south. There occurs a discounting of racial and ethnic perspectives and the simultaneous privileging of Western thinkers. Here, I'd like to emphasize epistemic privileging as coined by Grofugel in 2011, which privileges Western thinkers, making central the Western theoretical apparatus of ethics and legal institutions, for example and thus betrays the goal to decenter Eurocentricism and instead reproduces domains of thinking, writing, knowing, and being that form and inform the coloniality inherent to dynamics of knowledge production and power consolidation. My epistemological critique is anchored in the understanding that to quote Guo Fu Guo, nobody escapes the class, sexual, gender, spiritual, linguistic, geographical, and racial hierarchies of the modern colonial capitalist patriarchal world system. End quote. Secondly, Rachel Adams' work is central to this intervention in that she attends to the historical relations of colonialism to AI, stating to quote, ethics of the colonial rationality, and in doing so, aids in the production of a world apart through its division of practices upon which Western supremacy is formed and founded, end quote. Notice also how the language of coloniality divides and performs the world apart where we consistently hear of the crisis, for example, of immigration or migration, when the crisis is of a colonial construct of borders and its functionings, not those immigrating. So of course we see this transcendence of difference while being very committed to difference in a wide variety of policy initiatives and how we engage with categories of daily life. Here, the decentering of ethics is not only vested in questions of inclusion then, and who is included, but also who is excluded in national narratives and data sets. To quote Davis 2020, the existence of information and data is vital to the devising of adequate policy responses to address inequalities and monitor their effects both within countries and between them, end quote. However, as, we can, as Davis points out, indigenous peoples are often invisibilized in national statistics and data sets. This is now a global phenomenon where Davis again points out that in Asia and Africa, the formal identification and recognition of certain indigenous persons is still pending. And if ethical discourse becomes reliant on a legal recognition schema, then of course, it is again foundationally limited in what it can achieve. Again, bringing into question the use of AI in a variety of migration settlement processes and other public initiatives and its aiding of colonial expressions within and across countries. In considering the colonial doubles of ethics, we can ensure that it does not reproduce the very logic it seeks to center. For this, of course, situating local innovative practices into a global conversation on settlement and accumulation by displacement and data dispossession is also a theoretical imperative. From epistemic privileging to privileging certain kinds of labor, ethics in its in its many iterations, and specifically in North America, finds expressions in codes of conduct, regulatory framework, and more candidly, exists in our daily lives as what is legal and what is not. There are, of course, social categories of difference that are ethical because they are legal distinctions. One of the largest and most beneficial modes of difference that has benefited the development of, of the AI enterprise are 
geopolitical constructs of border. The innovation regime depicts a duality inherent to techno-scientific progress, where it concentrates advancements in one sector or region, while said advancements are simultaneously reliant on a globalized network of raw materials, supplies, and labor. It becomes evident then the ways in which the value chain of innovation and its expansion relies on the labor and exploitation of less protected community of laborers. laborers. The utopian images and euphoria associated with contemporary AI and its varying expressions and how such technology is experienced by the global north is far removed from the manual labor and material resources that are provisioned by the global south. For Witherford, while the mental labor associated with ingenuity is not particularly concerned with end products, um, it aids in the construction of differential subjectivity, where said subjectivities are strongly intertwined with and enforced along notions of geopolitical difference, as well as tropes of developed and underdevelopment. We must then acknowledge that while AI and its industry awards mental labor associated with ingenuity, um, think, you know, uh, innovators and kind of like the emphasis and celebration of unicorn companies being founded, the comforts produced and enjoyed by the few in the sector then, of course, is shaped by a, a variety of forms of manual labor, such as the extraction of minerals, the assembly of its components, and of course, all the waste work that's required uh, in the production of these technologies. That is to say that this casting of labor as only mental in the techno-scientific sector, specifically in the AI sector, has long erased the forms of manual labor that makes possible the international transfer of value vested in the super-exploitation of migrant workers as highlighted by Gray and Suri in 2019. I emphasize these dichotomies and differentiation between the mental laborer and the physical laborer because this also informs ethical discourse. Wherein the naturalization of such geopolitical differences posits and privileges the West as the inventor or leader, but also as the intervening ethical power and or custodian of ethics discourse. The situating of the West as a moral agent then necess necessitates differentiation in the form and diction of AI and its varying applications, especially in humanitarian settings where uh, in very many uh, instances displaced peoples and their data are subject to exploitation given the suspension of their rights and protections as refugees or asylum seekers. And so moving forward, this is also co-informed by the market imperatives of AI, where ethics and ethics discourse becomes undergird by a logic of capitalism. To quote uh, Powers and Garcia, progress matters in this domain. So innovating for advantage or innovating for a shared benefit become at odds. There is no doubt that the business promise of AI can drive efficiency across a variety of sectors and organizations, you know, enabling a variety of, uh, you know, mitigating practices by predicting and or lowering costs, um, maybe even eradicating some trial and error, um, streamlining production logistics or other marketing operations. However, the enormous impact or, you know, for national economies or the growth aspect cannot, uh, cannot simply forego the ethical obligations. And so if we look at it from a global perspective, all countries, whether or not they become leaders in the field of AI, will inevitably, inevitably be impacted by the said AI revolution as we live it today. With this said, it becomes evident that AI will have a differential impact on the global south. 
Innovations in AI and machine learning require large amounts of data to simulate these real life problems. And in order to produce a real life solution, these often be, uh, become mechanisms, uh, the mechanisms for such innovation rely on data extractivism in low rights communities. And so what may not be ethical or possible in one geolocation is evaded by the mobility of innovation to go and uh, camp in or set up camp in low rights environments. And then presenting a, a challenge to the professionalization of ethics teams and bodies um, by those very extractor extracting powers. So for Arun 2020, the increasing influence of privately owned AI based technologies in the public spheres and the delivery of public services through public private partnerships is of grave concern, given this very differential impact um, this has for the global south. An example of this is the public and private partnership that I just referred to in the humanitarian sector, uh, which is such that it pushes for data-driven development mediated uh, by the private actors. These partnerships reinforce one another where international NGOs and governments' reliance on data collected by the private sector um, essentially creates a reliance and you know, further exacerbates the opaque decision-making systems that are at odds with the with the goals of humanitarian actors in the first place. Especially alarming is the lack of protections for vulnerable peoples in the humanitarian sector and its differential effects on the global south, where technologies designed without attending to the social and cultural norms can fail in its local applications and functions, just generating harm. So if we have ethical discourse for said uh, applications being constructed in the global north, they may not be applicable or may not mitigate harm occurring in the global south. Despite warnings of systemic discrimination, bias, or even technological failure, a variety of automated technological advancements have been introduced across the humanitarian sector, specifically in relation to migration management and aid dispersal, as depicted in uh, studies by Madner 2020, uh, 2019 and Bukov 2016. However, such pa uh, partnerships weren't initially conceived in the humanitarian sector. Instead, they emerge in the post 9-11 era, marked by the proliferation of smart border and surveillance technologies. The smart, uh, for instance, the smart border declaration of 2001 was a bilateral agreement between Canada and the United States, uh, which captures the convergence of private security industries such as Palantir and Deloitte and public governance partnerships in co-constructing the data-driven and algorithmic digital technologies that served as securitization efforts. Preemptive and predictive technologies within mobility and service regimes, surveillance regimes, as well as emerging forms of algorithmic governance, rely on the mining and aggregation uh, of mass data sets in order to anticipate or, you know, effect and act upon potential behaviors they seek to preempt. Basic to these functions, again, are constructs of difference in the face of race, gender, sexuality, where new and emerging forms of migration management relies on algorithmic technologies inflected with the biopolitics of race and mobility. While the governance motive is to focus on preempting risk, emerging scholars point to the differential impacts automated and algorithmic technologies have had on predominantly racialized minority groups. The process of racialization is then foundational to the functions of new and emerging technologies, specifically given the rise in the use of biometrics within the immigration and humanitarian sectors. Um, to clarify, biometrics here, uh, which is concerned with the collection of biological data, is a uh, collection of iris, pupil scans, fingerprints, photos, 
has now uh, essentially evolved to collect and monitor a variety of human gestures via a math mathematical or mathematized gaze, um, as I like to refer to it. Here, the ethical imperative on one side of the governance, uh, on the governance side of it, is securitization and threat deterrence, while the ethical imperative for those provisioning such technologies is the bottom line. And of course, doing good in business in terms of profitability, ensuring a return on investment for stakeholders and such. An example of this is uh, the enthusiastic embrace of technology in the humanitarian sector, where the biometric industry is now valued well over 15 billion USD. Uh, this is not simply driven by the need to streamline or make efficient administrative tasks. Um, for Madden now 2019, these are, there are five specific logics uh, underpinning the proliferation of AI-based biometric and algorithmic technologies and sub subsequent marketization of the humanitarian sector. Uh, to very briefly go over them, these begin these are the, uh, these being the logics of accountability, uh, the logics of audit, which demonstrates the value of the products to stakeholders, uh, and then uh, the logics of solutionism, capitalism, and securitization, which come together. The five logics identified by Madden 2019 come together to form uh, the new market imperatives of emerging AI technologies. Most importantly, the five logics bring into question the differential beneficiaries in relation to the deployment of such technologies within the example of the humanitarian sector. I guess it's important to note here that while the techno science uh, as a view, as a worldview is prioritized as the dominant view, if we are looking at uh, or attempting to map world progress equally urgent as the political economy and the processes developing in simultaneity to the technological advance, and ethics seems to not uh, take this into, into account when uh, ethics programs and schemas are developed. Informed by Agatha Ngilu 2017, in considering how capitalism and the techno sciences assemble themselves, we can also shed, shed light on the material, materiality of the bios, be it financially or in biological terms, uh, an example, health and subjective uh, capacities of individuals, um, you know, as these impact everything from humanitarian intervention, where it's carried out, when it's carried out, immigration and other post-war projects. While the techno-scientific interventions are presented at, to, as a means to provide relief from say disease and suffering, social ills and or generalized human, human limitations when we seek to automate, they do so with a particular moral image of a developed Western hegemon and social order whose organizing principles um, is essentially the opening of new markets and to produce new kinds of subjects, uh, essentially labors, which can be dispersed around the globe. Such social ordering posits and positions certain subjects as producers of knowledge and technological advance and others as the recipients of intervention in the ethics discourse, crafting in, simultane in simultaneity an ideal self sufficient or more advanced subject against subjects in the developing parts of the world. This, of course, ties into notions of spatial expansion, imperialism, and colonialism. Notions of a universalized liberal terrain and even applications have long fueled the capitalist technoscience machine whilst propping up the hegemony of a moral West and its market leadership, which in turn also assembles certain spaces geopolitically as frontiers for expansion and extraction and the extracting power as the innovator. For Agatha Ngelu, then, the humanitarian innovation movement entails more than the simple convergence between states and private corporations in order you know, to secure funds or to purchase supplies, 
it actually moves towards adopting the priorities and the languages and worldview of the private sector. Again, where we have to renegotiate what the ethical end goal is and what ethics looks like. Um, where the goal and the obligation is to optimize for advantage versus egalitarian outcome. While a body of li literature is indeed dedicated to critical legal studies, contemporary studies are working within the structure to cr critique this apparatus while simultaneously depending on this for change. A prominent example of this uh, line of reasoning is highlighted in this hyper fixation on digital rights as a remedy or mitigation techniques in the global north. And again, it concentrates on privilege as a global north subject, while AI's industry and applications are now globalized, especially in its exchange and re requirements of, on mass data. So Ruha Benjamin's sem seminal work in 2019 points out the different genres of humanity as exercised and enacted through new and emerging technologies. In relation to the limits of ethics, we must also attend to the ways in which the liberal Western rights-based schemas and ethics discourse fall short in ensuring procedural justice um, and equitable distribution of the benefits of new and emerging technologies. Most recently, the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights, Michelle Bachelet, urged states to issue moratoriums on the use and sale of certain AI programs. Um, and address the serious risk posed by human rights uh, to human rights by AI. Citing the abuse perpetuated and facilitated by the surveillance industry, speaking specifically to the Pegasus software, actually called for stronger protections and regulatory schemas to ensure human rights standards are adhered to and that legal frameworks are established to encumber the lack of accountability on part of the surveillance industry. Given those legal institutions and its branches are imbued with highly racialized and gendered terms of engagement, the level of protections to be offered through legal regulatory schemas is then also like with contestations. Technological advances, visions of liberalism also employs a particular version of universalism uh, and a universal humanity, which to quote Etana Soski and Vora 2019, heralds a post-race and post-gender world enabled by technology even as that technology holds place of a racial order of things in which humanity can be affirmed through only through degraded categories created for use, exploitation, dispossession, and capitalist accumulation, end quote. And so again, we return to the conception of being different centric, yet different transcended. The universalization of ethics and rights-based protections then falls short of acknowledging the power differentials between not just the producers, deployers, and those impacted by AI technology, technologies, but also evades questions of racial, gendered, and geopolitical variances, which of course contribute to inegalitarian experiences and engagement uh, with and by such technologies. And calls to place moratoriums on AI systems as means to regulate or enforce corporate social responsibility, the discourse evades that these technologies are simply mimicking, if not further entrenching, existing asymmetries of power. And that any change or regulatory schemas that do not center the political terrain upon which such technologies are conceived and operationalized will be insufficient. Liberal orientations and frameworks to protect consumers have now con concentrated around the imperatives to create ethics teams or bodies in the private sector and to draft and then enforce digital rights in the public sector. While the digital rights schemas can create some avenues towards the democratization of AI, they must attend to the ways in which the liberal discourse does not afford protections to vulnerable and marginalized groups to the same extent. 
So Carpenter and Foucault 2020 point out that the shortcomings uh, of the digital rights-based discourse isn't, which is an inherently individual and religious individualistic concept. Um, they state that it is difficult to gauge the extent to which rights models will be able to offer any meaningful solutions in an environment characterized and reliant on deep societal inequalities produced by surveillance capitalism or data colonialism. They highlight that the rights-based discourse is inherently individualistic as a concept where it de-emphasizes more collective objectives of social justice, of development and cultural diversity. And lastly, they highlight that the rights discourse is quite obviously anthropocentric as it fails to take into account the enormous environmental uh, footprint of these emerging AI technologies. And of course, the planetary boundaries that will place limits on the constant need for expansion, um, which are required by digital opportunities and its connection, connected markets. The outsourcing of human decision-making here that we see you know, as kind of the foundational nature of AI and its introduction into a variety of markets and the subsequent distancing exercised by deploying new technologies cannot neutralize them. In fact, algorithmic decision-making constitutes a form of world-making and what is actionable. Operating along colonial axes of ethics, we continuously see a blurring of the modes of differentiation as transcended. The offloading of human functions and or decision-making then cannot neutralize the technologies nor can it evade questions of existing inequalities. When we offload tasks onto AI in, the very, in its very many forms and applications, there seems to be an understanding that we have somehow transcended the social categories of differentiation and equality. And an ethics schema which mimics this imagined transcendence cannot actualize goals to limit or mitigate harm bias and the material consequences that stem from this understanding. The political terrain, of course, is not egalitarian since the innovations, programs of innovations and the ethical schemas are not apolitical nor indifferent to difference. And so we must question who conceives of professionalized ethics schemas in AI and to whose benefits. If the benefits of ethical operations are concentrated within the global north, then what of it's, uh, it's, uh, it's um, industries that are located in the global south, um, industries that provision labor materials um, and often um, service related uh, industries are often offloaded into the global south as well. The discourse on ethics then remains kind of theoretical and in many ways invisibilizes this growing disparities between peoples within the global north and also those outside of it. So regulation, but where? Um, let us now think quickly about the limits of ethics in a geographic sense. Um, in the contemporary AI era, we see a variety of states nationalizing its AI strategies and drawing up asp or, well, aspirational drawings of principles, which are of course non-binding in nature even if states become signatories because there is uh, a unfortunate game of hot potato that we see being played between uh, host states where innovation you know, takes place, where the mental labor takes place of innovation. And of course, um, states which are provisioning the labor. Um, and then that of course falls into, is it the responsibility of the host state or the host state where said company or corporation or innovating um, has occurred or designed uh, or has been designed? Or is it a duty of the transnational body to um, uphold 
some kinds of ethical standards, uh, be it in labor, be it in data exchange, be it in, um, in research even. So when we're coming to terms with the rapid kind of proliferation of AI in every sphere, where the global north is of course acting as an imperial hub of global data at this point, we cannot simply aspire for good um, and just applications. Uh, these documents and kind of regulatory frameworks cannot simply be aspirational. We must work then with urgency towards bettering the landscapes upon which our technologies are conceived and operationalized. By this, I do not mean that we globalize an ethics program because that would depict a shared burden of inequalities and consequences, which is simply not the case. Instead, I would ur urge that we decenter ethics uh, to opt for frameworks of shared benefits of AI. And so where do we go from here? We can begin by reworking ethical standard setting to challenge post-humanism of AI and its applications. In centering humans, in centering the inequality and difference that is said to be transcended, we may be able to imagine and innovate for egalitarian purposes and not just for advantage. And what could this look like? Um, well, then I guess the confines of Canada, you know, an example would be maybe community-centric design, wherein the needs of local communities and the differential en engagement that's impacting them is taken into consideration and accounted for in design protocols. The foundational difference would be that there is an innovation for people versus against people. In an international sense, the ethical deployment of AI is tied to the recognition of a global humanity. Again, here we must center the very difference technologies portray as having transcended or the ethics programs uh, depict as having transcended. We must account for the social categorizations of race, gender, sexuality, and citizenship and how these shape our differential engagement by everything from HR candidate rate, uh, ranking system, uh, systems and software, uh, predictive analytics, or the myriad of securitization and border technologies sorting us as good, desirable versus bad and undesirable candidates or people. Lastly, we must then also move towards a shared benefits model. In tying up my thoughts, I would like to conclude with some questions for us to further think through about how we can begin to transform the way we research, innovate, and apply ethics in relation to AI. These questions are not unanswerable or even theoretically loaded. Instead, they will inspire a multifaceted and multidirectional response, much in line with our lived realities. The first question would be, um, how do we incorporate credit and account for the differential impacts of AI and sense work on benefits sharing? And the second is how do we transcend the binaries of thought and ethics privileging characterized by the global north and global south divide in innovation regimes of AI?